Keys to victory for the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Washington Commanders on Christmas Eve. What do the Niners have to do to win this football game? And were there some Pro Bowl snubs? Six Pro Bowlers, but still some Niners might have gotten snubbed for those season accolades. All that more coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Brian Peacock alongside Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Better Help. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide, and they have a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on. Croc, live from the grandparents' house, I believe it is. Uh, I'm about to be traveling to uh, to my fam as well in Central California. So Croc and I will both be holding it down in, in the Central Valley of California for Christmas, except actually, Croc, uh, just got the news that you're going to be actually heading to the the stadium, to Levi's Stadium, actually, on Christmas Eve for the football game, right? I, I will be, and I, and I kind of reached out to Twitter and said, hey, it was actually my buddy. He needed some tickets, and the 49 faithful, man, they came in strong. And shout out to Miss Gay Leonard. I don't know how to say the other part of her name. Proud Brit out in California. She said, hey, Croc, got some tickets for you. Uh, love the podcast. That was awesome. Some other people that really came on strong with, uh, you know, just – really showing a lot of love my guys uh, uh cisco and mike podcast so make sure you guys listen to the cisco and mike podcast and uh they they were like hey here's a couple of tickets for you as well shout out to the faithful man like uh they show a lot of support and and, and not just you know just because for not fans man but they they love the podcast so that lets us know that we're, we're doing the right thing with this we're doing the right thing with this it, it's it's fun it's fun yeah and you know for the holidays this is our last podcast before christmas and so I think we got to thank the listeners, all the the listeners, all. I mean, we're talking about millions of listens and views on YouTube and downloaded on all the different apps. Um, it's been it's phenomenal to see how many people listen to this show, how popular our show is, seeing it climb up, you know, the 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 charts for podcasts with some heavy hitters out there. And uh, that's awesome to see. Love the fan base. Such a great fan base for the 49ers. So Merry Christmas, everybody out there. Hope you have a great holiday season. And we really appreciate all of you. Biggest news today in this one, if we're talking keys to victory, Croc, Chase Young, he's coming back. He's making his return. Torn ACL last year, Chase Young coming back, former number two overall pick for the Washington. Wait, was he number one or number two? Number one. I don't think there was any way he was going to be the number two pick unless there was a quarterback in that class, which I don't I don't think there was. Was he number two? Maybe he was number two. I can't think of what year that was. Who was in the Chase Young draft? Why am I blanking on I know, that? Now, now, now we got to look it up. I think he was number two. Was that 20? But, uh, uh, so now if he was number two, we have, to, we have to find out why he was the number two overall pick. 2020, he was number two. Why? That is crazy. Why can I not think of who the number one pick was that year? I know. Oh, it's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Burrow class, right? Okay. That was Burrow. That, that, that class. Young two, and then it was Tua and and Herbert five and six. Je- Jeff, no, Jeffrey Okuda was number three. Three, right? To the uh, Detroit Lions, you had some mm-hmm. offensive linemen go over the next few picks, and then I think there was C.J. Henderson, number nine overall, and and then, oh, you had 
the number fifth pick was, I believe, Tua. Seventh pick was uh, Justin Herbert. Five and six. Yeah, Tua were five and six back-to-back that year. And Joe Burrow was one. Okay, six pick. Okay. Chase Young was two. Yeah. Okay, so that would make sense. There's a quarterback in the class. And Joe Burrow, I would assume, has really paid off for Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh, and Chase Young hasn't lived up to the billing yet for the Washington Commanders. But he's still you know, a crazy, talented guy. He's a freak of nature. And, you know, those Ohio State DNs are, are, are freaks. And, you know, injuries have hurt him. Uh, last year, basically, Washington, we thought it was going to be this monster defense. And it's kind of been a lot better this year. And they could be even better now because they haven't even had Chase Young yet. But when you look at this, and this is, you know, not only is Chase Young coming back here, uh, this is also already one of the biggest key matchups and, and the keys to victory for the 49ers. And the Niners' offensive line has played so well this year and played even better, I think, recently. McGlinchey's had a couple of back-to-back really good games as well for the 49ers. And you got to go against the best defensive line they've seen this year. Chase Young coming back at one end. We're talking about four first-round picks here. You've got Montez Sweat at the other end, first-round pick in 2019. You have the 2017 and 2018 first-round picks for the Commanders in Jonathan Allen, a defensive tackle, one of the best defensive tackles in the league, and Deron Payne. So, I mean, you got four first-rounders up front for the Washington Commanders. They're trying to beat people the same way the 49ers beat people. They've got, uh, <laughs> I wanted to call it, uh, for the Game of Thrones fans out there, the Battle of the Bastards at quarterbacks when you got Taylor Heineke against Brock Purdy that nobody wanted on draft day, either one of these guys, and they've um, ended up being putting themselves into position to be quarterbacking playoff teams this year. So this is a this is a really interesting matchup against these two teams and their the way they're built right now. And there's some playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, but really Croc, I mean, the key to the victory here for the 49ers is I think the 49ers defense is really good. They should be able to limit somewhat and we'll get to more of that later on that 49ers defense against the the Washington Commanders offense but they should be able to limit from what we've seen the commanders from not you know going crazy and scoring you know more than 20 or so points probably fewer than that if I had to bet so the Niners need to score on offense right and they're going up against the best defense we've seen they've got to win that battle up front to be able to run the football to be able to protect their quarterback to be able to make the plays get the hands in the balls the hands of their playmakers um and you got to get Chase Young blocked. You got to get Jonathan Allen blocked. You got to get Deron Payne blocked. You got to get Montez Sweat blocked. And they have some rotational guys as well. Niners O line against the Washington Commanders D line. If the Niners O line comes out of this game in good shape, I think that means the 49ers took home a dub. Definitely a key matchup. And if you go back a couple years ago, 49ers, I believe in 2020, they played against the Washington Commanders. Uh, back then, I think they were called something different on the football team or something. But the 49ers defense actually played extremely well that game. It was the offense that kind of let them down, led by Nick Mullins, if, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 49ers, I think on def- the defense gave up like eight points or something like that. But the offense gave up a fumble, right? The quarterback fumbled, and I want to say maybe it was Chase Young, picked it up, ran it back for a touchdown. And then Nick Mullins followed that up with a pick six. And those plays alone were like a big deciding factor in that game with how it turned out. So I think like for me, it's yes, protecting the quarterback, but making sure that he isn't under constant duress to where things like that happen. Again, one was a sack strip fumble, right? That, that can happen at any time in the pocket. And then the other one was a pick six where a lot of times when you see quarterbacks a little rushed, maybe uh, because of a pass rush and their time clock starts to speed up, 
they can throw an uncharacteristic pass, and a team like the Washington, Washington Commanders are a team that can really take uh, advantage of that. And, and that's what you don't want. So you talked about that matchup up front. I think that is going to be a really big one uh, and, and hopefully in favor of the 49ers. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit yesterday with David Harrison of Locked On Commanders for our crossover pod, Brock, and I know you were traveling. You weren't here for that one. But getting pressure with four is so important for teams. And it's so important for the Washington Commanders because we've seen Brock Purdy play really well against the Blitz. So if you can get home with four, have that extra guy in coverage, not have to blitz and get pressure on the young quarterback, force him into some some bad throws, some mistakes, trying to get him to do too much. And, you know, we still haven't seen many of those rookie mistakes from Brock Purdy. If we see a few more of those and the the defense is able to capitalize, able to catch it when if Brock Purdy does throw the ball to him, that's sort of the recipe for this one is not only um, are you not scoring on offense, but you're allowing them to put their themselves in a position to either, you know, pick six, score on offense, scoop and score situations, or, uh, you know, putting the Niners defense in a in a bad spot where they're getting threes or, or sixes for basically nothing. Uh, and, and so that's something you just can't do against any team, and, and that's definitely the worry here against the Washington Commanders and that sort of a defensive line. And, and that's the biggest worry because offensively, the Washington Commanders aren't blowing anybody away with how they've performed week in and week out. They don't score a bunch of points. Uh, they have some legit weapons, and we'll talk about some of those receivers, but it's kind of been hit or miss. I mean, Terry McLaurin, he's one of the best young receivers in the National Football League, and you know what you're going to get from him. But there are some other guys that have big-time ability. Jahan Dotson just had his best game against the New York Giants, so maybe he's starting to come on, but he started the season extremely slow. Well, started fast with two touchdowns in the opening game, and then after that, it was very just kind of, very pedestrian for a receiver that you took in, in the first round. So you want to make sure that he doesn't have the game he had last game against the New York Giants where he went for over 100 yards, scored a touchdown. You don't want him to be as impactful from there. So uh, I talked about 49ers protecting uh, uh, Brock Purdy and make sure that he's comfortable. And I'd say if you flip that around on the defensive line, continue to do what you do and move quarterbacks off of their spot and make Taylor Heineke have to be the reason why – the Washington Commanders win this game. And if you make him the reason, I don't think that he's capable of doing that. Absolutely. Let's get more into that 49ers defense against the Washington Commanders offense, what they have to do there, what to look out for with that matchup on Saturday, Christmas Eve. And we'll talk Pro Bowl snubs as well next. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace with Turo. You can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. For example, Croc could have uh, found a Turo host that had a Hemi so he could travel across the country, get himself into California. Did you bring the Hemi, Croc? I, I did. Uh, okay. I should have went to Turo because the rental car prices are extremely high right now. Had to drive to Hemi. I should have went to Turo. Don't be Air Crocker. Don't make that mistake. Yeah, go to Turo. Uh, forget about those boring rental cars. Find your drive at Turo.com. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the United States, UK, Canada, Australia. Book a spacious SUV, minivan. You want to take the family? You want to find a Hemi? You want to find a classic luxury car, special event? You want to roll up in style at a birthday or a holiday? Or just need some an economy car, get from point A to point B. Maybe you want to test drive that new electric vehicle, see what those are all about. See if they fit your everyday lifestyle. And many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. 
And when you're driving, please don't drive under the influence. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell, everyone can tell. So what makes you think law enforcement officers aren't going to be able to tell if you're driving under the influence? Uh, it can slow your response time, can change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not because the bottom line is if you feel different, you drive different and driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI, this message paid for by the NHTSA. All right, Croc, let, let's get into that matchup a little bit from that 49ers defense. And uh, I fully expect the 49ers defense to come strong and do a number. And we talked about how Brock Purdy's done a pretty good job of taking care of the football. A couple throws, you, you were like, eh, eh, but it hasn't really hurt the Niners too much. Taylor Heineke, similar guy, you know, not a big height, weight, speed guy, doesn't have a cannon arm, likes to get out of the pocket, can make some plays, but he has been more prone to making some mistakes. And that's what you want to do if you're the 49ers, force them into those mistakes and get some of those turnovers. Because I think that's the big difference in this Niners defense this year versus some recent Niners D's is uh, they're turning, they're getting turnovers a lot more. And uh, this is a team that you can get some turnovers from. But Heineke's also trying to get the ball out to his playmakers. And so I'm interested to hear your thoughts in in covering receivers like McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. You know, the 49ers really over the last couple of years, regardless of who's out there on the back end, I think if you just kind of say names outside of Traverius Ward, you kind of be a little worried, right? I mean, Emmanuel Mosley went healthy, but you're kind of worried with the matchups. And I'd say regardless of who's been out there for the 49ers, it has been – to their advantage with how they performed on the back end, at least to a sense of it not really hurting the 49ers. So you want to definitely kind of continue that going. And when you look at a guy like Terry McLaurin, I'd say the biggest thing is don't give up the big play to him. If Terry McLaurin ends up with 10 catches for 95 yards, I think you can live for that, right? On paper, it looks crazy, but I'd say outside of that, the 49ers do a really good job of limiting other receivers. Uh, you really want to make this team one-dimensional. So if you can take away the run game, who, I mean, right now their leading guy is someone who got shot in the kneecap <laughs> in the robbery, came back, like, so that's really cool to see him, you know, obviously be healthy, be on the field, but they're depending on him week in and week out to be the guy that carries them. And the 49ers, they take away the run game and make teams one-dimensional. So can you limit the big plays from Terry McLaurin? And can you make some of the others have to beat you? I'm curious to see if Traverius Ward follows Terry McLaurin around. We've seen Ward do some of that to limit some of the big plays from opposing receivers. Watch him do it against Seattle. I did a tremendous job against uh, DK Metcalf. But that, that's kind of probably one of the underrated storylines. You know, Traverius Ward against... Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, as they call him. Scary Terry, yeah, he's got a lot of speed, really good player. Pro Bowl player is Terry McLaurin, so that's a that's a fantastic matchup, and I hope they do. Just from you know viewership perspective, it'd be fun to see if Charvarius travels with Terry McLaurin, watching that battle like we watched with Charvarius Ward and, and DK Metcalf last week, and then a pretty good matchup of younger players, five ten, but play bigger in Diamador Lenore against. The rookie Jahan Dotson and Jahan Dotson is so good at the catch point and bringing balls down, even though he's not the biggest guy. He's really athletic as well. But man, Diamador Lenore has probably been one of the, the best surprises for the 49ers this season, too. You remember, like, I always talk about it how crazy the NFL is, and you think you know something, you wait six months and, and it, it turns it on its ear. Do you remember last year how it went with, okay, right out of the box at training camp? It was like, oh, Diamador Lenore came ready to play. He might, you know, be a nice find for the 49ers in the fifth round. And then by the end of the year, 
he was gone. He, he was a note. It's like, what's where, where did Diamador Lenore go? And it was uh, Ambry Thomas that was playing corner for the 49ers and into the playoffs. And then coming into the year, even before the 49ers signed Tarverius Ward, we were thinking, oh, man, maybe they're just going to roll with the rookie, right? The third rounder in Ambry Thomas, who ended the season pretty well. And now you fast forward to this year and Emmanuel Mosley gets hurt and it's Dior Lenore that's the one that's back out there. He's on the outside making plays. We thought he'd be in the slot. It's Jimmy Ward in the slot. And now Ambry Thomas is nowhere to be found. It's pretty pretty wild how this has all gone. And Diamondor Lenore has been holding it down over there since Emmanuel Mosley's been out. He's been doing very well. And my expectations for a guy who came into the season as maybe the number four cornerback is don't be the reason the 49ers lose. Don't be the guy that teams are just able to consistently pick on. And I'd say to this point, he has done well. I can't think of a game off the top of my head where I'm just like, oh my goodness, Diamondor Lenore, oh, they go at him again. Oh, it's third down. They're going, they're targeting Diamondor Lenore, right? Like there haven't been those moments, obviously, just like any corner in the league. And I think the 49ers, especially the fan base, the expectations are so high playing and play out because the team consistently plays so well. But cornerbacks they're, they're going to get beat here and there right they're, they're, show me a corner that doesn't get beat and i'll show you a cornerback that sits on the sideline the entire game i'd say knowing that and how hard it is to play the defensive position there have been a couple of flags here and there but for the most part i think you can say you know what diamond lenore he is doing a really good job of filling in and uh should have had a pick six in the last game it got overturned because of uh, uh nick bosa tackling the quarterback too hard <laughs> but diamond lenore man he's been awesome he's doing a really good job and I, I couldn't ask for more from someone who came into the season as potentially your fourth or maybe even fifth corner no doubt uh that, that's been phenomenal I want to talk real quick before we get to the the Pro Bowl portion of this podcast and and maybe some uh, the guys who made it and, and maybe some snubs for the 49ers here. Um when you when you so Croc, what just from a perspective of in coverage, you're a former corner. When you're going up against guys, are you relying more on scheme or are you changing the way you play guys because DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin, both fast players, but very different guys, you know, like, are you just like, okay, I'm going to rely on my scheme. I'm supposed to play off here. I'm playing the same amount off as I played against DK Metcalf. You play more off against DK. You want to get up on DK more. Like, like, what is that like as a mindset for a cornerback? And what was it like for you? And, and what would that be like for a guy who's traveling with a player and, and, you know, you're, you're facing different styles of players every single week? If you are traveling with a guy, you obviously just always want to know what an offense likes to do. So first and foremost, the battle starts with the offense coordinator. What are their tendencies? They're always going to go back to their tendencies and what they like to do on certain down and distances and different situations. So you can have some sort of an idea on what exactly it is that you're going to be getting from that receiver. But when you start to shadow guys and his man coverage, then you have to know a little bit more about that guy. And does he have any tales with how he runs routes? Are there some routes where you're like, hey, I don't have to worry about him running knees so I can already eliminate that out of my head? Uh, when you look at two receivers that are drastically different, like a Terry McLaurin and a DK Metcalf, who both, they are going to win with speed, but there's one guy that's a little bit more twitched up. Uh, Terry McLaurin, a guy who wasn't known as a pure route runner coming out of Ohio State, did a terrific job at his pro day and has kept that going in the league. And one of the better route runners being able to free himself up, you know that you have to be ready for any sudden movements, especially at the top of routes, as opposed to DK Metcalf, who's going to win with more speed and power than more finesse at the top of routes. So a uh, different type of guys, you got to be ready for a different type of battle. 
And you got to be ready, especially with the Seahawks, the mental battle of DK Metcalf, who's going to bring it verbally as well. Don't think you have to worry about that as much as Terry McLaurin. So you might be a little bit more at ease and a little bit more comfortable, but understanding that, like, you know, with, with route running, I have to be more on my toes and play with a little bit more anticipation. Yeah, Terry McLaurin's an interesting player because he's a really tough guy, but he's sort of like a silent assassin type versus DK Metcalf, who's a little bit more demonstrative, and especially against the 49ers. Uh, and you could see it a little bit more with him. And he's such a big guy anyway, he's going to try to beat you up. Terry McLaurin's really tough. And I like the way he, you know, earlier on in his career and in college, he's like all about special teams. And, you know, he's just like a hard-nosed guy. But he's not the, the most demonstrative player like DK Metcalf is. But I, I really like uh, Terry McLaurin, probably one of the more underrated players in the league. So it's going to be fun watching them. And hopefully Charvarius Ward and Diamador Lenore can do a number on these guys and uh, maybe get some turnovers in the 49ers D can keep doing what they've been doing. When we're talking about Charvarius Ward, though, Croc, not a pro bowler. Is he the biggest pro bowl snub, though? Let's talk about the Niners pro bowlers and the not 49ers pro bowlers next. And of course, you can bet on this game, Niners, at or the the Washington Commanders at the 49ers on Christmas Eve. All of the Christmas weekend games at betonline.net, your number one source for sports betting, information, stats, news, and analysis this season and every season. You got futures at Bet Online. You've got every weekly line, tons of props as well in the NFL. You can get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, too, not just pro football. College bowl season. Uh, NBA basketball, college basketball. You've got it all covered at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at betonline as well. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information and your betting fix. Get over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at betonline where the game starts. 49ers Pro Bowlers, Croc. And uh, some of the names shouldn't be a surprise. Kyle Juszczyk. Like, does Kyle Juszczyk have the easiest path to the Pro Bowl in the NFL? Like, you're the best, you know, multi-talented fullback in the league. And then on top of that, there's only like two or three other guys you're even competing with to be in uh, in the Pro Bowl every year. And you get to play in Kyle Shanahan's offense and to be utilized as an OW. So uh shouldn't be a, much of a surprise at all that Kyle Juszczyk made his, I believe it's seventh Pro Bowl now this year. Uh, looking at the rest of the Pro Bowlers. For and I believe all seven in a row. Yeah, every year with the 49ers, he's been in the Pro Bowl. I know that. And I'm not sure if it was his last year that he made the Pro Bowl with the – because he's been with the Niners six years, right? Yeah, six years, six seasons. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing for Kyle Juszczyk. Um, congratulations, Talano Hufanga, his first Pro Bowl. I wasn't sure if he was going to – because a lot of times guys get uh, those sort of accolades kind of a year too late. You know, they get recognized. You have to build up your brand a little bit, and then people recognize you later. It's pretty amazing how the league has recognized Talano Hufunga already, and he got his first Pro Bowl bid in his first season as a starting safety for the 49ers. No surprise, Nick Bosa, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, his third Pro Bowl appearance. George Kittle gets his fourth Pro Bowl appearance, and Trent Williams his 10th Pro Bowl appearance. But I, I think the biggest story with 49ers Pro Bowlers. Wait, 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 Peacock. Did you say yeah, George yeah. Kittle? George Kittle, yeah, yeah, yeah. George Kittle, his fourth Pro Bowl appearance. So six for the Niners. Hufanga, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, and Trent Williams. George Kittle might be one of the more surprising ones. Unless there just aren't a lot of, you know, productive tight ends around the league. 
and maybe there's some of that, but I, I'd say it's it's been a little underwhelming. I mean, his touchdowns are up, and that's awesome. But I'd say just, you know, from what you would expect from him. And, again, I, I think in my head, George Kittle year in and year out is that 1,300-yard receiver that I saw a few years back. And he's kind of, like, far removed from that. Now, I know that's not all – to George Kittle, right? Like, tremendous in the run blocking game. So if you're telling me he's making the Pro Bowl, almost like a special teams player that's a really good gunner, right? Where it's like, oh, it doesn't seem that important, but clearly the NFL, they're like, no, that is an important job. And if you look at George Kittle, it's like, well, no, he doesn't have the receiving yards, but he's extremely good in the blocking game. Maybe that's it. But a little underwhelming as a pass catcher, which would you think would be kind of the easier path as a tight end. Yeah, his targets are definitely lower than they have been. Uh, especially in his record-setting season. But I think it's kind of the opposite of what I just talked about with Hufanga, where he's got the brand. So, you know, like you already know George Kittle's great, and even if he's not getting the targets, you recognize he's one of the best tight ends in the league, and I think that's why, you know, he's going to get voted in, even if his numbers aren't in a place where they could be. Because, you know, if he got a bigger target share, his numbers would be in the receiving right. game there. You know how good of a blocker he is. So, you know, he's impacting plays anyway but yeah the the pro bowl voting has always been very much brand recognition i think george kittle has that so a player has to really go over the top of him production wise that doesn't have uh, the the george kittle you know uh wow factor you know he's 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 a he's a dude he's a He's a he's a top billing player in the NFL, and everyone knows who George Kittle is. Everyone knows his face. Everyone knows. Uh, I mean, he's he's and he's such a fun player. I think it's it's easy to like George Kittle, even if you're not a 49ers fan. Yeah, I think uh, that the tight end for the Dallas Cowboys, Dalton Schultz. Dalton his Schultz. His numbers. Last I checked, because I, you know I'm in group chat with my brother and some of my homies. Got some Cowboy <laughs> fans in there. Yeah. And, and, and they're like, hey, Schultz numbers are just as good as George Kittle's, and I think we would say, well. Is he as good of a blocker? And the Cowboys actually run the ball extremely well. He's not going to have that reputation, talking about the Schultz, but maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But the name recognition is not nearly what it is at, for uh, George Kittle, who is kind of the brand ambassador of the NFL at the tight end position. And look, Dalton Schultz is a nice player, probably a pretty underrated player around the league, but come on, he's no George Kittle. So you can, you can tell your... Uh... Let me tell your brother that. <laughs> uh, so a couple of notes here. Uh, these from Matt Barrows. Six Pro Bowlers, one more than in 2021 when Bosa, Juszczyk, Kittle, Debo, and Trent Williams were selected with five. Um, San Francisco's top-ranked defense had three members, but Dre Greenlaw, who's come on strong recently, did not make it as a first-teamer or an alternate. The 49ers did have a wow. ton of alternates, though. So my question to you, Croc, is who's the biggest snub in the Pro Bowl from the 49ers, and maybe this is the biggest snub in the entire conference uh, with Dre Greenlaw, Christian McCaffrey, and Charvarius Ward. Uh, all Two of those guys, McCaffrey and Ward, are alternates at least. And I just had a bunch of alternates too, and I was kind of surprised by some of those names. Jake Brendel, um, the entire specialist group, Robbie Gold, Ray Ray McLeod, uh, Mitch Wisnowski and uh, Tibor Pepper actually is a huge snub here because he was number two in fan voting for long snappers. And he's Fr- friend of the podcast and friend of the podcast. Love me some Tibor Pepper. Great dude. And he's a really good long snapper. He did not make it. So that's my number one snub. But Dre Greenlaw, not even an alternate. And I'm not surprised. We talked about this before. I was like, well, he's, he's probably not going to make it just because Fred Warner 
and you know it's like are the Niners gonna get, is the Niners whole team gonna make it on there you know so uh I guess I'm not super surprised but I think the biggest snubs clearly Dre Greenlaw not even being an alternate and then Christian McCaffrey I thought was gonna be a shoe-in because again his brand and what he's done with the 49ers and national shows everyone's talking about the Niners and the trade and Christian McCaffrey I'm surprised he did not make it and Charvarius Ward is just you know, I think it's tough for corners sometimes as much as any position to build that brand recognition and people to say, hey, Charvarius Ward, one of the best corners in the NFL, which I think he is. I'd say out of all those guys, they're, they're, I'm surprised for different reasons for each one and why they're snubbed. Say Dre Greenlaw shouldn't be the biggest one because I don't think he has the name recognition as some of the guys. And when we talk about this, you know, you know, Traveris Ward, we talk about him a lot and what he's doing. You, listen, it took us into this point to mention Dre Greenlaw. So the fans, they took note of it. They tried to vote him in. McCaffrey, we understand that. But Greenlaw, man, what he has meant to this defense and how good he has been. And anytime you watch the 49ers, I'd say it is extremely difficult to not notice number 57. Like it is extreme. You have to just kind of really close your eyes and and watch the game on mute. So now you're not even paying attention to the game. That's the only way to not realize what 57 is doing out there. He's making plays. He's scoring touchdowns. He's uh, flying around. He's taking great angles on guys like Tyreek Hill in big moments. I mean, he has been really good. And early on, didn't start off that well, right? Remember the the Bears game? There were some things where. I think a lot of people thought it was maybe Tano Hufunga with blown coverages. I think Greenlaw, between that, he had a, a, a bad face mask. He had some bad penalties and, and Mr. Simons. But since then, he has been lights out and one of the better players on a terrific defense for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, my, clearly, you can hear the passion in my voice when, when I watch him. I think he's an extremely underrated linebacker in this league. The fact that he's not even an alternate, I think that's kind of – that's – that's a little ridiculous. Yeah, and he's been banged up a little bit. And really with the Pro Bowl voting, and first of all, there's a, a month to play practically in the regular season. Why would they stop voting? Vote when the season's over, right? So this is very much a first half of the season award because you open up the Pro Bowl voting and people are going to vote for the guys that have already done all the stuff. And I think uh, Drake Greenlaw just has gotten better and better as the season has gone on. So I think that's another big reason. This is like the Pro Bowl voting when they stop it. And when they start the voting, it's almost like a first half of the season type of award. So I think that hurts Drake yeah. Greenlaw as well. Yeah, and they're not even playing the game. So why not wait until like the last, really like that should be like the last week of the season you announce the Pro Bowlers. And then, yeah. uh, you know, in the offseason, obviously you do the, or late in the year, Super Bowl, around the Super Bowl, whatever, you do the all-pro team. But Pro, pro Bowl should not even be announced until like week 18, Let's announce it then. Right. And give give people longer to, to vote on some of these things. Can they bring back – the other thing is, why do you need alternates if they're not going to have a game? Because that was why so many guys <laughs> – you know, you'd have a, this massive Pro Bowl team because half the guys, or probably more than half in some cases, wouldn't show up to the Pro Bowl, so they'd have to have other guys come in and be in the Pro Bowl. So you don't even need alternates anymore if you're not going to play the game. That's one thing I'm asking. The other thing I'm asking is, can we bring back the skills competition if you're not going to have a Pro Bowl game? I want to see Daryl Green against Herschel Walker running a 40-yard dash against each other. Like, that was fun. Can we bring some of those things back? Yeah, so that one was like a summertime thing. And I, and I think with the Pro Bowl, they got rid of like – because they did have the flag football game some years ago. They used to have a flag football, and I guess somebody like tore their ACL. 
and, it, and that's when they're like, oh, all right, let's do away with that. We're still going to play uh, tackle football in this game. They had to the, do away with the tourney, uh, with the flag football. They had the beach football. Remember, it was yeah. uh, Robert Edwards. Was that his name? He was a rookie. He was like rookie of the year for the Patriots at running back and then tore his ACL playing <laughs> beach football. Even, he had a really bad injury on the beach. I mean, but if you're going to cancel anything, cancel the actual game. The beach stuff is oh, fun to the watch. The game is terrible. It's got awful. Like, I can't imagine people are tuning in and watching that thing anyway. I think What's anytime you're doing any activity like that, you, you open the door for some type of injury. So if you're going to get rid of anything, just get rid of the actual football game. And if you want to you know, get rid of the beach flag football, which is fun, you got to see like the, uh, the all-timers in it a lot as well. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they still have some of the other skills competitions, the throwing, trying to hit the targets. Yeah. I feel like they did some of that last year. I, can't I want to see the who has the strongest arm, who can throw it the furthest. I want to see who I'm going to see who, who's got like the biggest arm, who throws the ball just the furthest. You know, accuracy stuff's good, too. But uh, I want to see who the fastest man is, too. Like, I want to see Tyreek Hill race Raheem Mostert or whatever. You know, like I want to see those kind of things. I was going to ask you who's the fastest. Yeah, Tyreek like. Hill? Tyreek Hill would be for sure the guy at the top of the list. I think he would be the betting favorite. You'd have to have guys like, obviously, Raheem Mostert in there. Jamar Chase, I think, would be in the conversation. There's some of those DBs that are like gunners on special teams that aren't great players, but that you know were track guys in college and are super fast. I'm trying to think. I think I'm missing one. Yeah, there, there are some guys – that has speed, and I think once they're in the NFL, you don't care so much about the 40-yard dash, but there are guys that ran some legit 40s that just don't have as much impact as maybe people expected. But if you just lined them up and said, hey, you got a 50-yard sprint or you know 100-meter sprint, yeah, they get off on some guys and potentially win. Yeah, 100-meter would be a lot different. All right, DK Metcalf's another one. He tried to do the Olympic trials last year. He ran 10-3. That was pretty yeah. damn good. Damn good. That'd be fun to see DK Metcalf. He's so damn big too, running against some of these little guys. Anyway, all right, we got to get out of here. Croc, any uh, predictions here before we go for Christmas Eve? 40, 49ers win, man. They're, they're dominating right now. They're playing their best football. I, I got buddies in the group chats. They they keep saying, "Oh well, this and that, like, dude." You guys keep talking about a week one loss and a loss to Atlanta Falcons. That felt like it was a season ago. The 49ers are on a seven-game winning streak right now. They're playing extremely well uh, at offense, defense, special teams. Early on, special teams wasn't great. The special teams is playing well right now. I mean, mm -hmm. this is just a, an extremely difficult team to play. They're playing at home. I expect the 49ers to win in dominant fashion. There you go. Dominant Christmas Eve win for the 49ers over the Washington Commanders. And Croc and I will have it all broken down for you right here locked on 49ers